Welcome to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. Each week, Dr. Rob sits down with athletes, executives, and expert coaches to talk about mental toughness and their hinge moment. Here's your host, Dr. Rob. When I got in the room, I was not the smartest guy. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I knew I had to do it. And it was, to me, right, um, it, it was like, like you said, like freshman year in college, like how fast can get up to speed, right? How hard can I work? Can, like, let me use what my intangibles, right? What can I control? My hustle, my effort, right? I'll work, I'll, I'll work anybody, right? Like that is the one thing that, you know, I try to preach to my kids, but that's the equalizer. I can work harder and get smarter right? Um, I can have a better breath. And so that's what really um, kept me in. And it, and it, it is, you know, I've never thought about it, but it is, it is exactly what it was like being a freshman in college of like, oh man, I am off the back. I got to get back on and I got to fight and claw and do everything I can to get back on. Folks, when I finished my hundred miler, I was happy to be done, but I wasn't finished. The reason why my legs weren't completely bonked from running was that I used PR lotion by Momentus. It simply eliminated any lactic acid buildup in my legs, and it's the best product I've ever used. Momentus is a leading nutrition and supplement company which works with over 150 professional and collegiate sports teams. No other company has the accolades of being awarded six innovation contracts from the Department of Defense for Human Performance. Since I started using PR lotion, I now use their plant-based protein, collagen peptides, and recovery formula. Look, if performing is important to you, do yourself a favor. Go to livemomentous.com. And for listening today, you get the best part, a discount. Enter code DRB20 for 20% off your order. That's D-R-B and the number 20. LiveMomentous.com. Optimize, perform, and recover. LiveMomentous.com. So our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, he's CEO of Momentous. Now, Momentous provides, I think, a deep portfolio of human performance products PR lotion, which I think is the best product of all time, collagen peptides, recovery, fuel, hydration, brain health, sleep. I mean, they cover it all. 150 collegiate and pro sports teams. Momentous is at the forefront of human performance, pushing the limits of what's possible. And they are also the sponsor of this podcast. It, it delves nicely into our guest who in 2004, he was high school Gatorade player of the year. A lot of distinguished names on that list, man. It's pretty cool. Played football at USC, especially during their stretch of greatness. Won national championship at USC. Made the NFL 2010, made it until 2014. And we get to hear his story, his hinge moment, and mental toughness today. Our guest is CEO of Momentus, Jeff Byers. My man, Jeff. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Rob. Thanks, Thanks for having me on the show. So I'm sorry we missed each other, man, at Boston Marathon. I love I love people. Uh, I don't like crowds, and I don't like crowds before I have to run. 
but uh, it looked like the expo was fantastic for you guys, man. Yeah. Uh, team did an awesome job. It's always great to go and talk to the consumer, right? The customer. And it always puts you in a place on like why we do what we do and, and how important education and knowledge sharing truly is in all of this. Uh, there's a lot of people that are like, why do you still go to the expo? And I think there's, you know, two things for me. I love talking to the consumer, right? It's why we do what we do. I love sharing our knowledge and our story. I think it's so valuable, but I also like, if I don't go work the expo, how can I ask anybody else to go work an expo over Easter weekend, right? Like it's, it's one of those things of, you know, got to lead from the front um, and eat a couple, eat a couple sandwiches that might be filled with crap at times. But uh, Boston was awesome. The energy, the people, it was, uh, I'm not a runner um, and not in the running community. Um, so it was really pretty cool to see and, and, a, and a special environment for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was fun being there at the booth, talking to your mates and uh, how they didn't think they're going to get rid of all the product, man. But I was there on Sunday afternoon and they didn't know if they were going to have enough to make it through a Sunday. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah exactly. It was really fun. Um, so I actually took amp lotion with me again on the bus out there because i had the big one i didn't think i was going to be able to make that one back through like security you know because i took the samples with me yeah so i took that one out there um gave it to my mate as well who loved it his first time using it i told him i had like a a little special formula for you today you know i'm not going to let you know what it is man but this is something where you don't need to train on it and you can you can do it race day right and, uh, and then I gave it to a couple other people that were out there as well. I didn't hear back from them, of course, but, uh, they didn't know me, but I'm sure they really benefited from uh, PR lotion, man. So I wanted to share that with you because I thought it was pretty cool. Thank you. Yeah, that is awesome. So let's start with this, man. I always like going in the podcast sort of chronologically, and I'm going to talk about your whole life, whole career, but in 2004, so you, you were Gatorade player of the year. So what was it like? I mean, that's it doesn't get any better than that. Right. I mean, you're, you're the guy, I mean, you're going to USC. I mean, what was life like then for you? And even with your worldview up to that point? Yeah. Uh, pretty crazy. When I look back to think that some crazy people decided that, uh, offensive lineman from a little town, Colorado could be the Gatorade player of the year. Um, and really surreal, honestly, I, I, you know, I think when I look back on those times, I really didn't know what it meant, you know, I also thought sports was everything and, and football really defined who I was. And uh, yeah, it was a really crazy time. And, and again, like I, I, I grew up in, or I went to school in Loveland, Colorado, which is a smaller town. And, you know, we went to Loveland high and all of these things. And um, yeah, I had a really great little group of friends and really blessed to have great family too, to help me keep humble at, at some time, but um, kind of going back, I, I don't know, uh, we sent out, um, my junior tape to a bunch of schools. I had no idea what was going to happen. Um, I was obviously super talented and, you know, kind of thought like, oh, cool, I can go play football in college and probably get it paid for. And my high school had some really great athletes come out of it. Like Jeremy Bloom was a year or two older than I was. And oh, he's yeah, for sure. Olympi Olympian, you know, uh, extraordinaire. Uh, Did you know his sister yeah. then too? I didn't know his sister. Did not. Oh, okay. um, uh, but no, of her, uh, of her uh, well. Anyway, so. So it was, it was not uncommon for, for this. And I remember I was in, uh, I was in health class with our basketball coach um, and our basketball coach at the time was not the epitome of a teacher. Um, you know, he kind of like had a, his, his assistant, um, his 
uh, you know, like school assistant and just like would change the transparent slides on the overhead. And you just write down what was on the overhead and he'd just sit in his desk and read a newspaper. Um, anyways, uh, but we got a phone call and my first real call from my college was Stanford. Um, and was like, oh man, this, this could be real. Um, and then in like the next three weeks, I had like 55 offers from division one schools. And, and it was like, holy cow, I have a real opportunity to go do something special. Um, and, and yeah, I got to pick where I want, went to go to school and, uh, had a tremendous opportunity, but again, like school was important to me. And I, I took it very seriously to like, get to know the schools, get to know the deans of the business schools and things like that for the future as, uh, you know, my old man, um, wisely told me there's more to life than football. Um, don't know if I grasped it at any sense during this time, but I, you know, did what he told me to do, um, at, at that time. So Jeff, so I'm curious then you make the transition to, it, it's going to be like the epitome of college football, one of the best college football teams of all time. Um, but when you make that, that stretch from Loveland, Colorado to playing USC, which even at that time, right. I mean, that was the NFL team in Los Angeles. Talk about that transition then for you, small town, making it to USC and, and what that whole transition was like, even with just in that first year. I think it's really, you know, as I look back, it's super challenging um, from a humility standpoint and really grounding what life actually is. Uh, Cause I go from, you know, being 18 on top of the world to being 19 really on top of the world on a different planet, which is USC at that time, just unbeatable. Pete Carroll is an incredible human being, leader, has fun, right? A-list celebrities on the sidelines. It's just surreal, right? It is unbelievable what that was. And, and the basis of reality, I look back and it, it, it is so not what life is or what it was about. And I just feel so lucky to be a part of some really special teams and be around some really special people. The transition, uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if it wasn't, um, it didn't seem challenging to me um, from the sense of, of I, I was really passionate about other things other than just playing ball and got to know some really great people uh, outside of the football team, which I think really helped me um, helped me transition because it wasn't just all football all the time, um, et cetera. And so, yeah, I, you know, I think just being a little more immersed in, in school and making other friends outside of the team probably helped me transition more smoothly and kind of have more of a life than others did in, in that stretch. So, yeah. So, I mean, you go from playing center to like offensive lineman. I mean, physically were you developed now, uh, were, were you able to handle, I mean, you know, cause, cause you go from being the, this is what I'm always passionate about, right? You're like, you go from being the guy to now everybody's been the guy and you're on that team. I mean, how, how was that for you? Yeah. Uh, it's very humbling when you don't get beat ever, um, to just getting schooled all the time, uh, from, from that team. And, and, and I'll say, I'll say this all for the rest of my life, my freshman year in college, was from an athletic standpoint, though the time when I just got beat over and over and over again, because the, the guys that played defense on that team were all first round draft picks right. and they were all old. And they just like, you know, I remember the first one-on-one, one-on-one pass blocking drill and a guy, uh, 
um, Mike Patterson, who ended up playing for the Eagles for like a decade or whatever, just made me look silly. Um, and they made me look silly a lot, um, but they really got me better. So was I developed? No, I was a 19-year-old kid still. Um, I was still probably light. I, I probably gained 20 pounds in college, um, gained a ton of strength, gained a bunch of wisdom and knowledge, and just the tricks of the trade. Um, and, and offensive line is such a unique, a unique position because it's not all physical you have to have really incredible physical gifts, but you, it's not all that matters. There's so many mind games and anticipation and thinking, um, that, that goes into that position that very, very few people understand. And you can get away with being not as strong, not as fast, not as quick, a little hurt by just being smart um, and really treating it like a cognitive game more than it, more than just pure physical. Cause right. Uh, offensive line is the place where all the people go to that aren't good enough athletes to play tight end or defensive line. Like it's just like the last stop before you don't have a spot on the team is kind of the joke. It's like, oh, he's a pretty good tight end. He'll make a great offensive lineman. Oh, he's a yeah. pretty good defensive tackle. He'll make a great offensive lineman, <laughs> right? Because those positions are so much more athletic um, and have such a different um, need from an athletic standpoint. Whereas an offensive lineman, you know, you got to be smart. You got to be big. You got to be super strong. But the mental aspect of it, you know, it's, it's where, it's where average athletes end up uh, is what I, is what we kind of joke about, but uh, we're all obviously tremendously gifted uh, anyway. So, um, so yeah, I, I learned a lot that first year. I grew a lot, was not developed by any strange, like m- mental toughness, capacity, understanding the game. I right? like, I was super big, real fast real strong in high school. And I could just manhandle people because I right. was bigger, faster, stronger than everybody in college. When you're going against grown ass men um, and you're 19, that's no longer the case. Like big, strong and fast. Great. They're bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. Hey, good looking. If you like this podcast and are already a badass, but it's all way too complicated, then visit our website drrobbell.com and schedule a call with us to help capture your very own hinge moment. So like did they, you know, they'd, um, you know, push you around, take advantage of you. Did they then put their arms around you? Like tell you, man, don't worry about it. Just stay committed to the process where the coaches then that were like, Hey, this is going to happen. Like, how do you mentally prepare for that next level jump? Yeah, I think that's what made those teams so special at SC was, you know, and one of Pete, Pete's biggest philosophies was, you know, we're going to put our ones on ones. We're going to make each other better. And the goal was never, uh, the, the goal was always to make everybody the best they could be for game day. Right. And that meant me getting my butt kicked by the old guys. Um, and they knew it and they would, right, help coach you up, talk about things you can do because ultimately, right in college, very different than the NFL, I think is right. You have one goal and people are here, like you're there to win, um, together. And it was very much of like, you know, older brother putting your arm around you and, and trying to, trying to work. I also just 
I was lucky because I, you know, came in really highly talented and, and those guys wanted to see me successful. And so they did, they did definitely put their arm around me, help me and, and was lucky to have the coaching staff kind of do the same thing and, and help me understand uh, the importance of growth, but also where I could grow uh, the fastest. Yeah. What, what memory stands out to you from that, that entire season? Uh, it's a really good question. Um, I mean, I got really hurt that season at the end of the year. Um, and I would say, you know, uh, it was, uh, I guess it was right after the season where I kind of had the realization that football can get taken away really, really easily. Um, and you're just one play away um, from the game. Um, and so that year, you know, I'd say, I don't know, maybe it was a week after the national championship game um, where I really had this realization that there truly is more life than ball. Um, and you have to think about that and you have to make sure that everything you do is not so short-term focus, but thinking about how do I stack a bunch of things and, and play life like a chess game, thinking four or five, six moves ahead, knowing that you're going to lose often, but it's all for the greater good. And how, what does that loss actually mean and make a purpose of that loss? Mm -hmm. um, so I would say for me, it was, it was the biggest setback I've had as an individual and the biggest kind of that that, aha, that that moment where it was defining for me and has really led me to where I am today. And so much of, you know, I, I look back and I say, okay, I was young, dumb, and, you know, was on top of the world. And I, I got knocked down and it really created a bunch of my really core inner principles that I live by, uh, how I want to be treated, how I want to treat people, um, and how I think about building and motivation. So walk us through that. That injury it was a hinge moment. It was hip surgery that you had. Yeah. So in the uh, last regular season game, um, we play UCLA every year. This uh, just kind of freak play blew my hip out essentially. And I, I, I ended up putting a dent in my femoral, femoral head, which was about the size of a quarter and just shredded my cartilage in there. Um, and went to a hip surgeon and, you know, kind of hemmed and hawed. It was kind of a local guy had a got an injection, tried to play the national championship game was was essentially worthless um, on there, had hip surgery right after um, right after the season. And it wasn't, you know, too intense or or whatnot. And call it six weeks later, or seven weeks later, I go back to the hip surgeon and nothing's better. And he just looks at me and he's like, hey. I, sh you should have went and saw one of these three people, um, go and see one of these three surgeons. He's like, I don't know if you'll ever be able to play again. It's, you know, like not very many people in the world can do the surgery you need. Uh, and it was really one of those moments, you know, I, I remember walking out of that office, uh, calling my old man crying, um, you know, not knowing what to do and like, Oh, football is gone. You know, like, you know, a doctor saying, Hey, I did, we did one surgery you got to go get another. And there's only three people in the world that can do it. Um, and very few people ever come back from it. It's not just a run of the mill. And that was very, very hard for me. 
Um, and, you know, my dad had some choice words um, for me as a young man and, um, you know, kind of reminded me, you know, there is more to life than football. What's my purpose? Um, why am I here? And, and why do I love the game? And, and help me realize that I have this tremendous opportunity um, to be at a prestigious university, right? Be a part of something super special um, and set myself up for life in a very, very unique, different way that most people don't. Um, didn't make it any easier, but, you know, you know, I, I go back and, you know, it took me a little while. And one of the challenges my dad made to me was go talk to the dean of the business school, figure out what you can do, figure out what this means. You know, if you never play football again, how do you maximize the scholarship that you have? That, that was and, his advice. Yeah. Yeah. Go talk to the dean. Okay you know, um, go figure it out. Right. You're, yeah. you didn't pick, I mean, I picked USC cause we're good at football, but I also picked them because the academic institution is really good. Sure. Um, right. And when I was thinking about, okay, what, what does life after football look like? Um, USC is an incredible springboard for that, um, from relationships, from education, um, et cetera. So anyways, uh, ended up, you know, having a second hip surgery, really, really invasive. Um, and that, that doc, you know, they basically restructured my entire femoral head, did microfracture to help hopefully regrow cartilage. Um, and he just said, Hey, you'll never be the same player again. Right. Like a lot of what you have, right. Your God given talent will be taken away. Who, who knows? Right. Like there, I do a lot of these, lots of them don't come back. Right. Um, the surgeries evolved a ton. This was whatever, 20 years ago. It's crazy to think about that, but I was a 19 year old kid and turns out the thing I had to go in for me is I was 19. Um, I was young and a lot of these, uh, surgeries that were being done were on a lot of, you know, like 32 year old NHL goalies and, you know, old guys that are just beat up that didn't have hormones flowing through them still sure. still still growing they were they their hormone levels were going down while I was still kind of in the peak of everything so I I was lucky so had surgery realized I was going to miss a whole season if not to if not forever um I ended up getting on track to graduate undergrad in three years so I had essentially I, I condensed three years into two years of my last two years and with this idea of like, I'm going to push as hard as I can to get into grad school. I'm going to take every penny that I can from this school. I'm under, I'm under scholarship. I, I know I have at least four years um, that they'll pay for, maybe more, who knows. Um, and I'm going to take advantage. And that's what I did. I just, you know, took, an, took extra classes um, and really, really just went all in um, and saying, okay, I got to fill the gap, A of what I lost in football, but B also, I have have this incredible opportunity to do something super special. And so between rehab and still having to go to practice, you know, essentially taking two or three extra classes a semester um, really, really was challenging. And, but also filled that void of, well, I can't go practice. I get to watch practice. I don't have all of these other things that I can do. How do I fill that, that gap of, always trying to be the best and pushing and just not knowing when to stop it just as hard as you can go as fast as you can go um and so the long the long story short is i missed my whole second year which was which was known um i 
was coming back for my third year and was practicing, et cetera. I ended up blowing my back out and having two back surgeries, my third year, L4, L5, um, essentially two weeks apart to, to fix it, to fix it, which was really hard. So I missed my whole third, third year as well. Um, which also was a, you know, I look back, uh, I, there's no way I could have played, um, and taken the class load I took, like just not possible. Right. Um, so I wouldn't have graduated in three. Um, I ended up graduating in three cause I did miss that whole season because of my back surgery, my two back surgeries. Um, but I was sitting at, you know, whatever, 21 years old had two back surgeries to my name, two hip surgeries to my name, um, and super broken and, and, and did. So offensive line play is really about mobility, hip bend leverage, and, uh, uh, your back and your hips are pretty important to that. Um, and I lost a lot of how I transitioned power through, I was still right. Clearly like I had, uh, I was a genetic freak, right? Like to be the number one athlete coming out of high school in football, like I just had great genetics and I'm was always big and strong and still fast. I lost some of my bend and my, and my lateral movement, but what I made up for that. Right. And the great thing about the offensive line play is you can use your brain and, and really, um, really, yeah, there's so many little tricks and nuances to the game where you can figure it out and you can, it's almost a game within a game. And I figured out how to play that really well. Anyway, so I graduated right. under undergrad in three then. And I was at this point of, oh, I, I, I can come back and play for sure. Um, and so I got back and, you know, lo and behold, I play my fourth and fifth year. The NCAA uh, granted me a, actually a six year of eligibility. There's this really cool thing where you, if you have two hardship years, they will grant you an extra year of eligibility to play. So I ended up being at school for five and a half years. That actually got me completely through my master's in business. Um, I was still, as far as I know, the youngest person to go through that program, get his MBA, which I feel really lucky for. Uh, it was really, really hard. Um, for me to juggle practice and night school and all these other things. And I had a, a job a lot of the time because it was part of the requirement for the MBA program. Uh, and so it was, uh, it was a really fun challenge for me. And, you know, I look back and my college life was very different. Um, I had two, like, you know, I was like Superman and, and um, Clark Kent, like two extremely different lives, right? Like I, was on this crazy football team, but I didn't have like the people on that team were very different from my network in grad school. I'm going to school with 35 year old, you know, people who've been in investment banking or consulting, right. They, some of them have kids, they have wives. And then I'm like going back to the locker room and there's a bunch of 18 year olds and we're talking about doing stupid shit at night. Like, you yeah. know, like there's like, I was just like lived in two very different worlds. And it, uh, it was really interesting as I look back on how it kind of, formed a lot of how I thought I got super close to the coaching staff, the performance staff, um, because I ended up being in school for five and a half, six years, right? Like, like you just don't relate. Like when you're a 23 year old getting your MBA, an 18 year old coming out of high school, it's really hard to relate outside of football, right. um, to that individual. Um, and so it was a, a really interesting challenge for me, um, to really think about interpersonal dynamics and like, how do I flip the switch from, from, from the game to professional world. So your education uh, was evident. I mean, so coach Carroll had you present to the entire team during that time about the subprime mortgage crisis. 
Yeah. Uh, that thing always comes up. Uh, Does it? He, I didn't present to the team. Let's be frank. I presented to the coaching staff. Oh, okay. Uh, right. <laughs> right. The team was, the team was present. Uh, yeah. but the coaching staff is the one who asked me all the questions. Uh, like nobody else cared what was going on. Uh, but it was, we were sitting, it was either, I don't even know. Uh, it was in, we stayed at this Marriott in downtown LA and we're all kind of sitting around waiting for meetings to start. And Pete comes out, coach comes out and he's like, Hey Jeff, um, you know, world's a disaster right now. You, you can you talk 10 minutes about, you know, the financial crisis? And I was like, like in 10 minutes, he's like, yeah, like give us all a rundown of like what's going on. And, uh, you know, like, I don't know, like I probably just regurgitated what I read in the Wall Street Journal that day. Um, but it was, you know, super comical to me, like looking back that, you know, I was the subject matter expert on all that. And it was like the coaching staff like was just like riddling me with questions about their 401ks. I remember practices after that of guys were like, the coaching staffs were like, Hey, Jeff, like, what should I do? And I'm like, what, what's, what's going on? Um, but it's uh, yeah, that was a, a really cool honor. And, and yeah, I mean, I just look, it just um, football is just like, you live in just this little bubble. And that was what Pete was trying to do is like make people realize that like the bubble that we live in is, is just a bubble. Um, like there's so much more and, um, it was a pretty cool, it was a cool opportunity for me. And I look back on it and, you know, it's like, Oh, can you talk to the team about it? And, and, and as I reflect longer and longer, it's like, I don't even like nobody, none of the guys I play with care, right. Uh, cared about that at that moment. They probably would now. Um, but the coaching staff, you know, was all in, um, which was really cool. man. I love it, bud. So you graduate, you, you get healthy you go undrafted, but then you get picked up uh, by the Seahawks, who Coach Carroll then had had moved there. And again, I mean, what is it like a, a fourth or a third of all NFL players are even undrafted to begin with? I mean, your your role then walk us through the next couple of years, like trying to play, you know, in the NFL practice squad, changing teams, and and what that was like. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I was lucky. Um, to be undrafted at, at some sense um, and unlucky, you know, from that, there was no way I was going to get drafted. And if I was, it was going to be like last round garbage pick, right? Being undrafted, the only good thing that you have is you get to pick where you go, right? And it worked kind of in my, in my favor, kind of not. And I'll, I'll explain why, but as an undrafted free agent, like you just get to pick your team. And so you get to pick the best fit for you or where you think you belong. Whereas when you get drafted, you don't have a choice, right? You might just be going to be fresh meat or a body somewhere. And I, I was clearly good enough to play at just my medical chart. Like there was the combine. I had like nine MRIs. Um, and there's no way, like I'm just a medical red flag. And when I went to other teams, like they're like, Ooh, we don't know if you can make it a full season. Like that's the challenge. Like I was so beat up and broken uh, in all of this, which is, which is good. Like that's part of who made me, me, you know, like I right. kind of got, I got a nickname of like, you know, like gristle. Like it was just like that piece of beef jerky. You just chew on forever. That would never go away. Um, that was, that was kind of me. Uh, so I go and drafted. I had a ton of offers um, to go to a lot of different places. And I picked the one that paid me the least amount of money, which was Seattle, um, because I believed in Pete. 
Um, and, you know, I was a two-time captain for him and my coaching staff went there too. And so I said, okay, where am I going to get the fairest shot to play? I didn't look at the depth chart. I didn't really follow many things on there, but I was like, I know Pete and Pete wants me. I'm going to go play. It's going to be my best opportunity. Um, getting there, depth chart was depth chart was not super friendly to me, but the one thing that I had is I played more snaps in the preseason than probably anybody else. They trusted you because they trusted me. Yeah. Right. And so I got crazy, crazy, crazy good game tape out there. Um, and that made a huge difference. So I was cut last cuts in Seattle, knew it was coming. was not, not surprised at all. Like knew it was coming two weeks into the preseason, um, just based upon depth chart where things fell. They had a, they had really deep, um, position strength in, in where I was anyways. So it all led to, we knew it was coming. So kind of was shopped around before it was coming. Um, and I ended up going to Denver. They paid me a bunch more money than, than minimum was, which was great. Um, and they really wanted me. And I, it's cause I had, I had good game tape and a ton of game tape on, um, which is great. And I, and I was on practice squad for most of my, most of my time in Denver, I made the active roster. Um, so for those of you who don't know practice squad, there's eight people on practice squad. Uh, there's probably more now um, on that, but, and, and maybe uh, 10, maybe, I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's very few people on practice squad. The problem is the active roster is only 53 guys. And there's, they only carry seven or eight offensive linemen on that, on that. So they don't even have two full teams. And so practice squad, you're basically the eighth and ninth or eighth, ninth and 10th or ninth and 10th offensive linemen. Um, and so you get shuffled around a lot. So I got activated but I was just basically a backup offensive lineman. It was, uh, to me, that year was really interesting. It was Josh McDaniel's season, uh, second season in Denver, where he got fired halfway through. Um, I, I bet he learned a ton on there. I learned a ton about just team dynamics, got to watch a lot, um, got to watch a lot of really crazy things happen, right? Team, team members turning on team members. It was just a a really bad environment. And I, and I talk about all the great environments I've been in. Carolina was amazing. Pete's been amazing, but Denver was just a dysfunctional cluster. Was that just um, a, a representative of the leadership? Yeah. Uh, coaching staff got fired halfway through the season. Right. And I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, you know, we had kind of a quarterback carousel and it was, it was just not let, pretty. Let me, let me ask you a different question, Jeff. I don't mean to cut in, yeah. but, um, I, I mean, when losing happens, what do you see then with people? Does 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 the guard go back up and it's just like I just got to watch out for myself? What what happens in that environment? In the NFL, a hundred percent, right? When you start losing, uh, guys are thinking about, hey, how do I get my tape? How do I make sure my spot is here? Right? It's not about rallying about winning. Again, it's, it is really about taking care of of you. Um, which I think is, it is so different than, than, than my experience in college. Um, and you know, just to, in terms of like, Hey, am I going to practice hard? Am I not going to practice hard? You know, what, what's happened and do I like guys trying to get traded guys trying to, right. Like, like for me, like, I just want to be on the team. Like I'm going as hard as I possibly can. And how does that affect the team dynamics then? It just destroys it. Right. Like there's no team. There, There was that was the problem, right? You lose coaching staff, right? There's huge turnover. Nobody knows what's going to happen, 
right? And so it's all just, you know, really a lot of every man for themselves type of thing. And it just, there's no team, right? There's no common goal, right? Like the common goal for sports is to, is to rally and win and build something special. When that's all taken away, it's like, okay, we're two and eight or whatever we were. Like everybody's just playing for their job now, right? Rather than playing to win. And it, and it takes away what makes sports great, um, which is the team dynamics within the team and this push for a common goal. And it, it, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it was hard, right? Like stripping out leadership, stripping out coaching staff halfway through the season is, not a way to build culture and not a way to build team, um, which is hard. Right. But like yeah. ownership makes those decisions because winning is everything and got to start rebuilding at some point. I don't know. It's just, a, um, it was an environment that I remember very well. And, you know, Josh was super young. Like he's an incredible sure. coach, Josh McDaniels, that is. And he's an incredible, incredible coach. And I think, you know, I would love to hear him talk about his experience in Denver because I just got to imagine he learned so much across the board. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. He might be two or three years older than me. I, 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 like, you know, and I was like a 24-year-old. Like, he, he was um, – yeah. Anyways, it was a really fascinating experience for me because I had – I really took the, like, step back and was seeing – the chaos and right the dynamics of the old guys and the young guys and sure all that no i appreciate that man i appreciate you sharing with um with the transition then from from pro football i mean you you went the financial route obviously that that wasn't your passion and then you get into the business world biotech company and and then start us with there man because that's when you know i think our listeners are going to hear the passion that comes out of you but start us with that story yeah uh so i had a long-standing job offer i worked a job uh, in the NFL in finance um, and it worked beautifully for, for my schedule, right? Kind of lone wolf can do things on your own, you know, not, not super tight hours. Um, and it worked great. When I retired, I realized that is not what I wanted to do. Right. I'm a builder team. I'm really passionate about that. Um, and I'm really passionate about betting on myself um, too. And just finance wasn't that place for me um, personally. Uh, and I walked away from a really incredible long-term opportunity, great lifestyle, et cetera. But I wanted to build. I wanted to do something special. And so I joined early stage biotech um, late 2014, early 2015. And I did that. I was looking for where can I join an early stage company? I can cut my teeth in business, you know, really understand this dynamics um, and build something special. And the biotech uh, still around. They're called Dive Biosciences. They're doing some really cool things right now. Um, but it was one of those things that was super early. I, and I have no science background. Like I took oceanography in college, right? I, I, I'm like the classic business person um, in, in that sense. And so I got to know, I got to know the leadership team at the biotech. And it was super small. Like I was employee number five or, or team member number five. And it was all uh, science. They weren't business. They, they had business background, but not, not as, uh, there, there were people like my co-founder of Momentus, she, she was there and she spent a half a decade at McKinsey and company. So they yeah. definitely had business background, but they were building it out and what they, what they were looking for and what got them super interested in me. They had this crazy idea to do something outside of biotech, outside of medicine, pharma, 
but in human performance and optimization yep. and really in sport. Right. And so my lean towards that and my connections and relationships was really relevant to them. And number two is they needed to raise money and my background in finance helped do that. So when I joined, we had this crazy idea. What if we could deliver basic vitamin, mineral supplement or something through the skin with this technology they had developed? Um, and that, that was what has stemmed into PR lotion, which you talked about earlier, which is a really incredible product that's been partially funded by the Department of Defense, has clinical trials and data behind it that is, is really a flagship. Um, but that's where it started. And I got my foot in because I was super unique. Like I, I, you know, I didn't have the experience, like the team that was around me was, uh, much more skilled in strategy and in business and in, in science. Um, and most of the people that were there had pretty deep science backgrounds. Um, and I learned it. I like, I understand physiology better than I ever thought I could imagine. And I learned that through the school of hard knocks, being around really smart people and understanding all of these things that I, I can I, I feel so lucky to, to yeah. have that. Jeff, it's kind of like the same exact thing, man. You step into USC, still being a stud. You step into this opportunity, still being a stud, but getting pushed around and having to learn on the fly, man. I mean, that must have prepped you for that environment. There, there's no doubt, right? When you look back on it, you know, I just, uh, I remember staying up to like one in the morning reading clinical papers and around exercise physiology, like just white papers, anything I could to just get up to speed. Because we, I would go into these meetings and be start talking, and I just have no idea what's happening, uh, right? When we're talking about, you know, the transporting things across the skin and what does that take and what is the skin made up of, like from the very basic to what is PR lotion and what is the physiology that's actually happening and why does it matter, right? Understanding that lactic acid is really not a thing. Right. And understanding that hydrogen ions and lactate are two separate things. They're commonly referred to as lactic acid, but lactate is good. Hydrogen ions are bad. Anyways, like I just yeah. went deep and it was because when I got in the room, I was not the smartest guy and I didn't know what the hell was going on. And I knew I had to do it. And it was to me, right. Um, it, it was like, like you said, like freshman year in college, like how fast can get up to speed, right? How hard can I work? Can, like, let me use what my intangibles, right? What can I control my hustle, my effort, right? I'll work. I'll, I'll work anybody, right? Like that is the one thing that, you know, I try to preach to my kids, but that's the equalizer. I can work harder and get smarter, right? Um, I can have a better breath. And so that's what really um, kept me in. And it, and it is, you know, I've never thought about it, but it is, it is exactly what it was like being a freshman in college of like, oh man, I am off the back. I got to get back on and I got to fight and claw and do everything I can to get back on. Yeah. Nice, nice cycling reference there, buddy. Yeah, I know. I've been in cycling for too much. I can pick up on them all, man. That's awesome. So you get in, um, you know, it, it was amp human. It transforms into, it emerges with momentous and talk us through that process, man. And cause again, I think it's an incredible company. PR lotion, obviously with sodium bicarbonate is fantastic product, but talk about the entire company and your passion behind it and where you're going. Yeah. So, uh, in 2018, um, myself and another really early employee at dive, Biosciences name is Erica Good. She and I spun out PR lotion from the biotech. Um, we started the company in June of 2018, but we started with this broader vision of how do we create 
a human performance company dedicated to bringing meaningful solutions to the market and really bringing right elite um, products, ideas, et cetera, to the market, um, right? And bringing, bringing down what's happening in the elite locker rooms to the consumer. I saw so much white space just being in the pro, pro locker room and then seeing what's happening. And, and it's just, it wasn't translating. Like there was no translation to how do I optimize and how do I build a foundational for success, right? My body, my life, it just doesn't exist. Like you get your information from your buddies, which is normally BS. Wait, even, even in the yeah. pro locker room? No, the pro locker room, you have a great, you have a great system around you, right? right like right. people help you. But after that, right oh, outside okay. of that, in the sure. real world, that doesn't exist, right? There is bro science. There is so much BS out there, right? You get your stuff from your buddies, your information from your buddies now, right? Or Google, which are both equally dangerous, yeah. Right. Uh, in terms of how are we thinking about optimizing and performance? Like those things are bad places to get information because that's not where the leadership and the knowledge base is. So that we founded Amp Human with PR Lotion with a broader ideal to build this human performance company. We tried a bunch of things. A lot, a lot of shit didn't stick. Um, but PR Lotion is why we built the company. We had really great traction in the department of defense and elite sports, which gave us this unique place to stand. And for me, one of the big things is I built amp human was I needed to surround myself with the smartest people around. I put together the scientific advisory board that had everyone from the director of high performance to Nike at Nike who ran the break in two project to the top, you know, clinical, you know, exercise physiologist to the expert in sodium bicarbonate, which is what's in PR lotion to say, okay, we're going to do it different. We're going to surround ourselves. We're going to do clinical research. We're going to tell people we don't have all the answers because we don't. Um, and that was really my approach. And because of that, I was able to assemble all these super unique people um, that are doing incredible things, but also was able to give us a shot at a lot of places. We weren't just trying to pedal. This is the next magic bullet, right? We were really honest. This is what we know. This is what we don't know. This is the data we have. It's good. It's not great. We got to get a lot more data, right? Here's some bad data we have. Um, and that really endured the business to a lot of these people in high performance space, which is what led us to kind of where we are today and, and really giving us the ability to build a high performance company and the leading high performance company in that sense of like, we are the trusted resource by these pro teams, these elite athletes, because we're thinking about it very differently than everybody else in this space. So uh, about, a, about nine months ago, we acquired a company called Momentus. And now we are called Momentus. Um, lots of reasons why that move was the right move to, to drop the AMP human name, et cetera. But we always knew we had to expand our product line, right? If you're just one product, right? And PR Lotion, it's really, really cool, but it's really niche. Um, but what it does is it creates this really incredible halo effect for us as a brand. It allows us to say we have eight clinical trials, six government contracts, you know, trusted by all these people. It is so unique. It's patented. So it elevates us as a brand in a sea of high performance, human performance, bro science that is so BSE, right? And so one of those things that was like, we have this incredible opportunity to help us be at the forefront, right? And talk very, very differently about it. But we can use that to also bring in 
this best in class knowledge, insights, protocols, plans, right? For this vision to create a human performance system. So how do we bring the systematic based approach, which is what I saw in elite sports and what you see is there's a system, a foundational element to how athletes approach elite athletes and elite anywhere approach life, right? And it's not just that, you know, 90 minutes of training. It is every aspect of your life is geared towards optimization, right? And there's this core foundational piece and knowledge that is, exists around that. And nobody was communicating that, right? In the space that we live in, which is high performance supplements and, and nutrition, right? It's just like, oh, just do this or do that. Like you would ask somebody, why are you taking vitamins? I don't know. Somebody told me to do it. Or why am I taking M&M? I don't know, right? Like somebody told me to take it. That's the worst thing ever, right? Like nobody just takes random things in the NFL. Everything is done for the purpose from the soft tissue work you do in the morning to sitting in the cold tubs to watching film, to practice, to post-practice, to what you eat. Everything is thought out. And so it's a systematic-based approach. But the problem is nobody's communicating this information to the consumer. And what happens in the elite locker room is not that complicated, right? They're genetic freaks, which is hard. Can't change that. But this core foundational element to keep people there is pretty simple. And it's about habitual use and putting people in the right products and the right protocols, right? That are backed by science, but that are geared towards your goals and your needs. Me, I'm a broken athlete, right? What, what matters to me, athletic longevity, cognitive longevity. Just tell me what I need to do for those things. I'll, I'll spend an, an insane amount of money for that because I've had way too many surgeries for a young guy. I'm going to have hip replacement. I'm going to have more back surgeries. Like, and I hit my head for a living. I'm scared out of my mind for cognitive decay, right? Those are the, I don't care about athletic performance. Don't anymore. I want to go in and work out hard and compete, but right, right. Like for me, build a plan, build a protocol around that and give me the knowledge and education on why I'm doing what I'm doing. That happens in, and so that was my vision for why we brought Momentus together with Amphuman. And Momentus was so unique is they really were built in pro and college sports. Like when I tell people this, everyone's like, how come we've never heard of it? Unprecedented penetration in pro and college sports with 175 teams as the customers of the product portfolio, right? Like, but still really young in, 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 his, in its infancy in the consumer space. And so it was like, oh, we can put IP product clinical data with best in class, truly incredibly designed combined. Now we can start thinking about a systematic based approach because you can't build a system around one product or one thing or one solution. It's got to be a whole set of solutions. Um, And that's where we make change. When we think about those people, these listeners living the high performance lifestyle for me, it's right. Not about winning the game, right? It's about winning life, living longer, living healthier, playing with my kids, playing with my grand, like this long game here is what I care about and what people care about, right? That listen and follow you is how do I get in the right mindset? How do I do the things that matter every single day so that I can be the best, not today, tomorrow, the next day, forever, that I can be. Um, and that's what I, I'm really passionate about with this human optimization. We're so in, in the infancy of thinking about where, where can we go and how can we optimize? Want to listen to your favorite music, but you're sick of all the commercial interruptions and negative news today? 
Tune in to KukoRadio.com. Music for your mindset. We're a commercial-free online radio station playing nothing but hits. Our free iOS and Android apps are available for download at KukoRadio.com. You know, another correlation there, man. You get to USC, and right away, man, you're you're already focused on longer picture instead of just staying in that bubble of football in that short term. Same thing with momentous, man. You're looking at people's long game, longevity, cognitive health, physical health, instead of just a short term, man, how can I do better in this race? I love it, man. Don't you see these parallels here that you put together with your life, Jeff? It's beautiful. It is beautiful. I love it, man. What what else yeah. about um I mean, I know you just had a new partnership. Do you want to share about that with Momentus? Uh, sorry, go ahead. Um, the partnership with Dr. Huberman. Yeah. Yeah. So today, it's the 25th. Um, uh, yeah, time, time stamp yeah, it. Yeah. Time stamp it. Um, we announced um, a really big partnership with a, with a scientist. Um, Absolutely. Called Dr. Andrew Huberman. He is one of the leaders in, in our space, if not the leader. Um, he's got an incredible podcast, yep. uh, Lab that, podcast, you bet. that shares really actionable scientific based items to think about everything from exercise performance to cognitive performance to sleep. Um, and it's really, really quite fascinating. So we officially today announced our partnership with them. Um, it is a big deal for us as a brand, as we think about how do we continue to associate with the best? How do we bring the best products that are the highest quality, but give the right knowledge and protocols around those products to people. So um, it's been a long time in the works and he's just another feather in our cap of when we think about high performance experts that we're bringing on board and how do we really bring that? He's just the biggest name that's out there. And it's really, really special that uh, we get him um, and we got him and he chose to work with us um, because we're still young um, and we're still growing and he could have played ball with a lot of people um and he chose to play ball with me because yep. of the vision and what we're trying to do and accomplish so absolutely man yeah and even being a stanford guy i mean that's that's even more impressive right yeah he's super, <laughs> he's the smartest guy in the room always like any room i've ever been yeah um like i when i sit down and talk to him i was like oh man i'm you know he's lost he he's he's lost more knowledge than I've knocked out of my brain by just thinking too much. Like he right. thinks he's, he gets CTI by thinking CT. Uh, oh my God. Um, CTE by thinking too much. I get it from hitting my head, right? Yeah. I have traumatic brain injury from playing football. He has it by learning. Um, so. Jeff, one more question for you, man. Cause I appreciate yeah. you coming on. Um, what question, man, should I be asking that I just haven't asked? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, one of the, things that's really important to me that I've taken in life um, and especially in entrepreneurship is, is I, uh, in football, the, uh, the ball always gets snapped. Right. And to me, that's just like time always goes by. Um, and to me, it's so, so important um, as I think through how I work my life, the ball is going to get snapped, whether you're truly ready or not, you got to go and you got to have a plan. You're going to base that plan on limited information almost always, but the failure to actually put your hand on the ground and go, you're always going to lose, right? You got to be in the game. The ball always gets snapped. Be ready to make a decision. You're going to lose a lot and that's okay, but the ball will always get snapped again. And so always be ready for the ball to be snapped. And half of it is just 
making decisions based upon very limited set of information in a very quick amount of time. And the other half of it is just reacting and being wrong, right? And knowing and not being afraid to be wrong. So I, I try to like, you know, my motto is the ball is always going to get snapped. I know it's going to get snapped, make a decision and go deal with it later, make a decision and go. Right. Like, um, and that's to me is something that I love. Like one of the things I live by still to this day is that ball always gets snapped. I'm glad you added that man. Cause I love the ready fire aim mentality too, yeah. man. You got, you got to like, that is life, yeah. right? It, that is, uh, and, and especially in right. The really high performance end of things of like when you sport or in business or in entrepreneurship, like you got to fire and go, you got to, right. The lack of firing, you're always going to lose. You yeah. like, you can never win if you never take the shot period. Gil Reyes, who I had on Andre Agassi strength coach, his epic quote was this. He said, some battles are worth fighting even if you lose. And I thought that was such a righteous statement, man. Cause I thought I was like, you know what? I'm, I've failed so many times. Like I'm really not afraid of missing that shot, but I want the shot because that's the only way you can, you can make it. But I still think it's worth it being out there, being in the mix, taking the shot. And if you don't hit it, man, you don't hit it. But at least you were in the game. Exactly. I don't so like true. ending with me, man. But, I mean, Jeff, thanks so much, man, for joining us, man. We're going to put the links on there. And uh, really appreciate you joining it, man. Yeah, thank you so much for the time, Rob. This was this was a ton of fun and good re rehashing the past a bit, too. Appreciate you, man. Yeah. For listening to Mental Toughness with Dr. Rob Bell. To find out more about Dr. Rob, visit his website at drrobbell.com or follow him on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell. And subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform to get the next episode of Mental Toughness as soon as it's available. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.